0: It seems no matter what, we're either being attacked by our flesh, by the devil himself, or even the temptations that we face in the world. So on this episode, we're gonna be diving into James chapter four. We're gonna be entering a new series called, How to Be a Lover of God, Not a Lover of the World. So get out your Bibles, turn to James chapter four, and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you guys are blessed in the Lord. Welcome to another episode here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast, where we are now entering podcast 151, and as I said in the opening, we're diving into a new series called How to Be a Lover of God and Not a Lover of the World. And so today we're going to be looking at specifically James chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. And then we're going to be breaking out this chapter, breaking up I should say, this chapter into two other segments. So let me just give you a quick little recap. And as always, if you've missed any previous podcast, go to standstrawministries.org, click on podcasts and all the information is readily available or wherever you guys download this podcast. So today we're going to be talking about uh, specifically three sources of evil. Now it's important though as we transition into this chapter, let's go back real quickly and and recap chapter three. if you remember after describing the power of the tongue in verses 1 through 12, James then started to distinguish between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world and you saw that in verses specifically in verses, 13 through 18. And he was showing Christians how you are to seek the wisdom from above. Going back to James chapter one, verse five, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And this is so important, you guys, because as we transition into chapter four under this title, this series title of how to be a lover of God, we have to make sure when you and I are countering the three sources of evil, the flesh, the world, the devil, We need to make sure that we are seeking wisdom that comes from God directly from his word. And in the next uh, two episodes, we're going to be covering seven exhortations to embolden you and I to be that lover of God, as well as reminding each other based on James chapter four, verses 11 through 17, that we have certain duties that God has called you and I to do and we need to make sure that we're not neglecting them, but we're serving God and we're, and we're serving the common man. So if you have a Bible, turn to James chapter four and let's get into verses one through seven. Notice Paul, or excuse me, James says here, what causes quarrels? That literally means the word quarrels here in Greek is the series of protracted conflict. And what causes fights in the Greek, that means the non-physical as well as the physical clashes with intense bitterness. Now remember As I said, let me take a pause and just say this. Remember in James chapter three, that the worldly wisdom produces selfish ambition, bitterness, and discord, doesn't it? So that's the, he's playing on this, James is. Then he goes on to ask, is it not this, that your passions, that means you're seeking selfish pleasures, it's a form of hedonism, are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly and spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship, that literally means to have affection with the world. The Greek word is cosmos is enmity. That means you are an enemy. You are hostile with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not suppose... Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace, therefore, it says, God opposes. That means God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That literally means you guys in the Greek, line yourself under God, resist, take a stand against the devil, and he will flee from you. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to break up this particular thing, the three sources of evil, into three, obviously, sections. Verses 1 through 3, we're going to look at the flesh. And then we're going to transition look at verses 4 and 5, and we're going to talk about the world. And then 6 and 7, we'll talk about the devil. So let's start with the flesh here, as James does, in verses 1 through 3. So notice he's talking about this protracted conflict. He's talking about these clashes. He's talking about this intense bitterness. And notice he says, where do these come from? See, he's, at, he's posing a rhetorical question. Of course, James knows where these come from. Of course, you and I know where these things come from. They come from the flesh. And so he just had said, remember, in verse uh, 18 of, of chapter three, he says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So in essence, what he's saying is he's saying, listen, you guys, when you and I feed the flesh, it's going to produce quarrels and fights. It's going to get ugly. But if you are producing, again, according to the wisdom that comes from above, which is gentle and peaceful and kind and caring, you're going to produce peace. That's so important, you guys. So if you look at your life right now, if there's quarreling going on, if you cause a lot of fights, verbal, okay, arguments, if you're disruptful, if you don't like to be corrected, if you're sowing discord, you are taking the wisdom of the world and i would also say based on what james is saying here and this could be harsh criticism some people and i and i'm being blunt about it but i'm basing it off of scripture because the truth says the truth goes for me as well if i am arguing for my position and not caring for the other person's well-being i am allowing the passions within me to consume me that's the flesh I'm giving into the flesh. Now, when I repent, when you and I repent, Lord willing, we do. And we realize that's what we've been doing. Now, of course, it's not like we were blinded to that. And then it just dawns on me. And I was, I ripped on that person. I think I was in the flesh. Of course, you know that you're in the flesh. But when you admit it to that person and ask for their forgiveness, that changed the game. So when James was demonstrating how a wise person can control the tongue, remember in James chapter three verses 1 through 12, and live by peace, he's saying that's a person who's a lover of God. That's a person who seeks to apply the wisdom that comes from above in their life. Now of course, contrast with that is if there's discord and disunity and there's a lot of conflict, it's because that that person or people, are not seeking from the wisdom that comes from above. So this phrase, passions at war within you, remember, James is referring to the sinful nature. Go back to James chapter one, verses 10 through 11. Go back to James chapter three, as I mentioned earlier, uh, verses nine through 11. So no doubt the stress that, again, remember the early church was faced with, the persecution that was happening in their lives. There's no doubt that that was contributing to the infighting in the early church. Think about in your life, when you're going through some really tough times And you're not yourself and you're very impatient, you're not getting sleep or people are causing a lot of issues, or maybe you're a parent and you're having issues with your kids and there's marital issues. It just, it maybe keeps compounding it. And there's the, the passions are warring within you because you're just losing patience. You're losing your cool. You've been kind, you've been nice. You've bitten your tongue. You haven't said anything. You zip the lip if you will. But after a while, if it just keeps coming, you just say, I can't take it anymore. Well, let me share you what Paul says. Paul says, and it's likened unto what James is saying here about the passions warring within you. He says, this is Paul, the apostle, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Notice, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for Righteousness, Romans 6 12 and 13. So, we are not to give into the flesh, we're not to give into these desires. Because notice in verse 2, you desire going back to the passions that war within you. He has the word desire here. He also uses in verse 2 the word covet. He also again refers to fighting and quarreling again. And then he shows you do not have because you do not ask. Again, this is a theme that carries on because you guys, again, to be a lover of God. You ask God according to his will. When you're living in the world, you're seeking the wisdom that comes from above and you're not asking God to bless your life as he has purposed, but you want him to bless your life as you deemed necessary. See the difference? So here in verse two, James expounds on the damage that's caused by feeding your own lusts and selfish desires. So now people wonder, is he literally meaning murder? Like first-degree murder and cold blood. Yes, to some degree, of course. You and I know. I mean, watch a lot of these shows of, of you know a a a job going wrong or a romantic relationship goes south, and 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 they or somebody's a, a cheating spouse, or they kill them because they want their life insurance. They you know they want to live a different life. They don't want to live with this person anymore. So yes, when your when your desires, and the passions at war within you, when you when they get out of control, you guys. Yes, it has caused people to commit murder. And I'm sure with our, our wide uh, range of listeners out there all over the world that sadly many of you guys listening can relate. You know, I, I when I was a pastor years ago, there was a good, uh, uh, just a solid couple. My wife and I were very fond of this couple. And I remember them coming to us and telling us and we didn't realize it, but it was first put on the news. And then she came to us and clarified and it was very, very hard to hear her and I was very proud of her. My wife and I were very proud of how she spoke about uh, how her daughter, do- her excuse me, how her sister was murdered, and so it was a, an abusive relationship. She was married to a man, put a restraining order. He got out of prison. There was a restraining order, and he found her and he killed her. And so again, these desires get out of control, and they can lead to murder. And so there's no question, you guys, even at this time, people that. Um, were feeding on their flesh and the damage that was happening and the desires, you know, the things that they wanted to happen were not happening can lead someone who's feeding again on their lust and their selfish desires to commit murder. They're consumed so much with evil desires and lust, um, that they can cause murder. They can commit murder. Now, remember Jesus was saying in Matthew five, that if there's anger in your heart, there's a murderous intent and that's where it starts. And it can progress and lead you guys down a path that, um, can, to, can take a life. And so we have to be careful just because you and I, you know, have not committed murder. People listening never committed murder. Uh, maybe there's you know, sometimes, you know, like Ruth Graham was funny. One of the quotes that she had said when she says, have you ever thought of divorcing, you know, Billy Graham? And she says, divorce, no uh, murder. Yes. You know, and it just, you know, it just showing that, yes, there, there are times where things can get very tense. Um, you can get very angry with someone. Now, some people think that he's using hyperbole just like his half-brother did in Matthew 5:21 through 22. And I do think contextually, when you look at the way the Greek is laid out, I do believe that. I just was saying that, yes, there's also the truth in that where it, it, it breathes. If you continue to seek the desires of the flesh and it gets out of control, it can it lead people to a murderous intent. Notice this phrase here now, it says, you do not ask. The early church was so busy, you guys, fighting and lusting for things of the world that they failed to pray to God and ask for his will to be done. That's what he's saying. And you know, we overlook that. And I think we need to really pause and and consider what he's saying here when he says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask amiss. you ask wrongly. A lot of times we're praying for things that we should not be praying for. Because he says here in verse three, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Notice again, that's self-gratification. That's hedonism. We're to ask for wisdom, you guys. We're to ask in sincere faith, the Bible says in James chapter one, six through eight. We're not to ask for with wrong motives and for the wrong reasons. Listen to what the New King James Study Bible says, quote, some might have protested James's admonition by claiming that they had not received an answer to their prayers. James responds by suggesting that they were praying for the wrong things. Instead of praying for their sinful desires, they should have been praying for God's good will for them. Often the reason God does not supply what a person desires is simply that he knows it would not benefit that person. God is not obliged to answer our prayers in the affirmative. He will not act in ways that are contrary to his will, even if he is besieged by fervent prayers. Anytime we seek to further our personal pleasures through prayer, we are asking, notice, amiss. That's according to Matthew 6, verse 33, where it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. So this phrase now, when he says you ask wrongly, again, he's pointing out selfish ambitions, selfishness, personal gratification. Anytime you and I are asking with that in our heart, when we're giving into our sinful, fleshly desires, God will not answer it because no flesh, the Bible says, will boast in the presence of God. So that's the first source of evil is the flesh. Now, the second is the world. Four and five, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Guys, James is using some very harsh Old Testament imagery He is exposing to the early church. And you know what? As Jewish people, they understood exactly what James was saying. He was in essence comparing them to the unfaithfulness of Israel, which God through the prophets many times over in Hosea, Ezekiel, and Isaiah referred to them as a harlot. Go to Jeremiah, even chapter uh, 2, verse 20. Jeremiah 3, verse 1. Ezekiel 16, verses 26 through 29. This is, in essence, what James is saying. I think that you guys we need to look at this closely first for our, at our for our own sake, at our own, at our at you know the level of where we're at with God, and say, how much of the world am I consumed by? Because there are a lot of people who are profess Christians out there, you guys, and they are living for the world. They are friends with the world, and so when you're not seeing people living by the Spirit, when you when you see people causing, um. Uh, fights and and discord and, and disunity and they're making things up and they're lying and they're deceiving people and they're being harsh with their words and condescending and profanity and there's no there's no fruit that you're seeing come from their lives that person you guys is a friend of the world we need to call it out We need to call it out the way that James is here. We need to do it in love. Speak the truth in love. Because here this phrase of friendship with the world, remember that word is is with affection. They have more affection for the world than they have for themselves. And it says the closer you get to the world, the more of an enemy of God you become. So again, when you and I show partiality in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, when we are pursuing worldly riches in James chapter 2, 15 through 17, and when we are seeking earthly wisdom and applying earthly wisdom in our life, we are enemy of God according to James chapter 3, 14 through 16. Remember John said in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, to do not love the world or the things of the world. Why? Because if you love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. So that's what James says first: that you're you're at you're at uh, odds with God. You, there's hostility between you and God. You, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. John would later write these words here in 1 John two and say, "Their love of the Father is not in you." So you want to be a lover of the of God? Don't be a lover of the world. You want to be a lover of the world? Then guess what? The love of the Father will not be in you. When your desires from 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 the flesh from the pride of life. When all these things are consuming you, you guys, they are fleeting, they'll pass away, they'll they'll lead to corruption, they'll destroy your life. And the sad reality is not just the consequences based on the effects of sin, but the fact also more importantly, how it draws you away from God. Yeah, there's a lot of people dealing with addictions, but you know what I also look at when I see these people who are consumed by addiction, whether it be substance abuse or opioids or whatever the case may be, is how far they feel from God. And so they look to someone, they look to sex, they look to things outside of God-ordained marriage to fill that void. And notice he says here in verse five, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Now, this is interesting because nowhere do we see that exact phrase, he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he's made to dwell within us in the Jewish scriptures. But what was common practice of Old Testament and New Testament Jewish writers is that they would take portions of Jewish teachings and blend them together. So I think the general takeaway here, because there's a huge debate about the proper interpretation of how you take verse five, I just think the takeaway is that James is speaking of God's perfect and unconditional love. He's talking about God who's a jealous God. And when you and I, because you're taking... Remember when Asaph says, for they provoked him to anger with their high places, they moved him to jealousy with their idols. So anytime you and I put idols in front of God, it's, he's, he's a jealous God. He wants to dwell in us, not just have fellowship, but to dwell in us because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God does not share us, his children with anyone else. He's very sensitive, just like me with my wife. I don't share my wife with anybody else. We are one flesh. We have a family together. We're committed to one another. We have a covenant between the two of us and God. And a third cord strand cannot be easily broken. So I don't look to cheat on my wife. And I know she doesn't look to to, to cheat against me. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am not to be pursuing the things of the world so that the love of the Father is not in me. If I know God loves me and I love him in return, I don't want to cheat on him. Now, the Vine's expository Bible note says, quote, a word that reflects this, the, the phrase made to dwell, a word that reflects a settled down lifestyle, making oneself at home. The phrase dwell on the earth is used repeatedly in Revelation to refer to those suffering the tribulation of the last times. A powerful prayer in Ephesians depicts Jesus dwelling in our hearts by faith. Contrast this with the reality of God's fullness dwelling in Jesus. And so here in James 4, verse 5, it raises concern over the indwelling spirit's response when followers of Jesus persist in being friends with the world, end quote. So yes, Jesus will be jealous when you and I pursue the things of the world and not pursue him. So the first source of evil, the flesh, the second source of evil, the world, and finally the third is the devil. Now here, James, when he refers here in verse 6 about God opposing the prophet who gives grace to the humble, He's quoting from Proverbs 3 verses 3 through 4 where it says, but to humble yourself to God who gives favor, who gives you grace. So the fact, you guys, and this is amazing if you think about this. When you and I blow it, when you and I go into, when we when we go into flesh mode, when we give into the temptations of this world, when we give into the devil, God's grace, even in the midst of us blowing it in our flesh and giving into the world and, and listening to Satan, God's grace is is still demonstrated, it's still there. And God's love, you guys, his forgiveness is far greater and far more powerful than the effects of sin. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter five, verses 20 and 21, now the law came into increase the trespass. But when sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, end quote. So God, you guys, is so important because he uh, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to those who humble themselves. Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. He says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Clothe yourselves with humility. And knowing that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So there, the one thing that we see immediately, you think, Jay, how do I overcome the flesh? How do I overcome the ways of the world? How do I resist the devil? You can't be prideful. My friends, we cannot allow pride to hinder our relationship with God. We need to humble ourselves because verse seven says, submit. You need to line yourself under God and that's how we're able to resist the devil. Now, this is what's interesting. I'm gonna give you three exhortations in verses seven and then what we're gonna be looking at um, in the next verses to come, in the next episode, I'm gonna be giving you guys seven exhortations of how to be a lover of God and not a lover of the world. But what James does here is he first starts by listing 10 exhortations. This is going to be from verses 7 through 10, okay? And in verses 7 through 10, what James does is he uses verbs that are used in, in these exhortations. They're used in the Eros tense. Now, what that means is Christians, when he's, when he gives you guys, when you and I read these 10 exhortations, and we're gonna look at three right now as I conclude this podcast, and we'll pick up and look at seven more to follow in the next passage of scripture. But when James, when you and I notice him giving these exhortations in the arrows tense, he is saying you and I are to immediately respond to these truths. We are to settle them in our lives immediately, okay? Not second guess them, not question them, not give it consideration, we are to do it. So what's the first exhortation? Submit yourselves. That's the first exhortation, you guys. You want to overcome flesh? You want to overcome the temptations of the world? You want to overcome the devil? Submit yourself to God and obediently follow his will for your life. Be obedient. You guys, submission to God is an act confirming, listen, this is so important. Let this speak to you. Submission to God is an act confirming your loyalty to God, not the world, okay? Submission to act according to God's will is a confirmation of your loyalty to him and not to the world. Now, this phrase, resist the devil, the second exhortation is not to give into the entrapments of Satan. We're not to give him an opportunity. When you and I are under the protection of God, that protects you and I from Satan getting access to us and causing us to stumble. Peter told us to humble Remember yourselves, therefore, under the mighty of God, mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. And when you and I do that, what are we doing? We're casting our anxieties upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. Then verse eight, be sober minded, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whomever he may want to devour. Verse nine, we are to resist. How are we to do that? We're to stay firm in our faith. Why is that important? Because we know the same sufferings that our brotherhood are going through um, reminds us that we need to stand together. That's what he's saying in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9, you guys. So when it comes to you and I facing our flesh and overcoming it, facing the temptations of the world and overcoming the world's temptations and how you and I are not to fall to the entrapment, not to fall into these entrapments of Satan It's by number one, you guys submitting ourselves to the Lord. And number two, we are to resist the devil instead of giving access to him. That is going to help you and I, you guys ensure that we are not going to fall prey to the ways of this world. Those are you guys, those are things that we need to continue to pursue in our lives that make sure that you, that you, and I'm going to read it again, that you submit yourselves before God You resist the devil and he will flee from you. That is the amazing truth that comes from the word of God. So if you're in the flesh, if you are finding the world to just be hard, you guys to live in, and you're struggling of how you and your, you can stand strong in your faith. You're doing what you, in part, what you need to be doing. And that's to be grounded in God's word, listening to the word of God and obeying it. And every day you wake up, you pray, God, let me submit to your will. Let me not give into the desires of the flesh, but submit to your will. And you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Satan comes knocking, when he's trying to get you guys to turn and to do the things that he wants you to do, that you're not going to give into it. You're not going to let pride, because that's the one of the other exhortations, you guys. You're not going to let pride get in your way. You're not to be prideful, you're to be humble. So submit. Submit. Be humble and resist the devil. Take those three exhortations and apply them in your life. So thank you guys for listening uh, to this opening in James chapter 4 as you and I continue to pursue a path to love God more and not the world. So until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.